0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this episode with Blake Wharton. I want to let you know that we have a ton of great sponsors on the Big MX Radio Podcast, one of which is Luxon MX. They make a bunch of really amazing hard parts and... Their flagship product is a set of triple clams that is gonna be tuned in to perfection of what you need to feel more comfortable on your motorcycle. It's engineered to perfection, and you can save 10% with Luxon MX with the discount code big mx so you can go to their website and you can check out with any of their products enter big mx and receive a 10 percent discount why that's awesome is that uh, obviously triple clamps are a high ticket item something around the the about a thousand dollars so that 10 percent discount is essentially big mx radio handing you a hundred dollars off your next purchase over at lux mx really excited to be working with those guys also, want to let you know that we have a brand new discount code with Guts Racing. Uh, Guts Racing has been a sponsor of the Big MX podcast for now three years, and they just set up a $20 or 20% discount, which is Big MX 20 at checkout. Uh is not case sensitive, I don't think. Uh, so you guys can go ahead and enter that. Uh, save some money on the best seat bases, seat foam, and seat covers. In the sport of motocross, so many teams in the pits use those guys, and they use them because they are the best, best products out there uh, as far as seats go. So go check that stuff out, gutsracing.com. And uh, yeah, you can save uh, 20% with Big MX20 at checkout. Uh, we also have a discount code on Phoenix Handlebars. Phoenix Handlebars is Big MX Radio 15. It saves you 15% off every single one of your orders that way. And uh, that is great savings because they're usually right around the uh, the $100 mark for a set of handlebars. And they also have a ton of great little options that you can get yourself, extra bar pads and stuff like that to sort of customize your look. Uh, they've got some interesting looking ones, some, uh, some funky colors, as well as uh, some pretty uh, conservative colorways as well. But you can really sort of uh, really... Have some fun with how you want your bike to look with our friends over at Phoenix Handlebars. Plus, they make a, uh, make great bars, and they have great customer service. Speaking of great customer service, we also have WUSA on with us. Honestly, it's a tight-knit group over there in Orange, California. They're just a stone's throw from Anaheim. Um, and they do a great job with their stuff. You're going to have the best experience working with that company. They work work with some of the best materials. In fact, you can buy the materials separately, or you can have them put together a set of wheels for you. You can even send them your stock hubs and have them build you a set of wheels that you will absolutely drool over, and guess what? If you mention Big MX Radio when working with WSA, you're going to save some money. And same thing goes for Racetech. Racetech gold valves offer basically a complete revalve in a box better bottoming resistance as well as better traction which is going to drop your lap times that's exactly what you need to enjoy your motorcycle just that much more and you can save some money by mentioning big mx radio when you order with RaceTech. all right that's enough of sponsor reads for now Support the companies that support Big MX Radio. Also want to give a huge, huge shout out to SKDA Graphics as well as Shades of Grey Helmet Painting. Josh Gray, honestly, one of the best helmet painters in the business. He is extremely talented and uh, you need your helmet painted. Even if it's just doing some custom work on the back, uh, he's got great pricing. Uh, shipping is pretty reasonable right around now. So uh, go ahead and get that done, guys. All right, now on to the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Blake Wharton. <clears throat> Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. You guys know the drill. Go to the website, memorize a catalog, and then head on to your local dealer and get fitted and protected by Fox Racing Canada. Also on board with us is Guts Racing. And new for this week, you guys can go to gutsracing.com right now and save 20% with Big MX 20 at checkout. Big MX Radio, saving you guys some money. Same thing with Luxon MX. You need some brand new triple clamps on your bike? Do you need a new uh, linkage system for your bike? They have the parts that you need. They are not just engineers. They are engineers who are passionate about pushing the limits of the status quo on hard parts. And you can save 10% on their products. Everything on the website, you can save 10% with Big MX at checkout, and that, a set of triple clowns—that's a thousand bucks—and uh, bigger max radio is going to save you a hundred of those dollars by uh, just simply putting in the code. So that's awesome. I am your host, Brad Gebhart. With me on the line is a young man who's been on the podcast. Oh, I don't know, about five or six times already. Uh, we always go back and forth. We chop things up. We, uh, our conversation just sort of meanders like a lazy river, but we always get good content with this young man. Welcome back to the podcast, Blake Wharton. Blake, how's it going? How's
1: it going? No, I'm doing well. Actually, I actually like to think of myself as a unspoken co-host. Maybe we can we can call it that.
0: Absolutely, no. You are the unofficial uh, number one co-host of the Big M X Radio podcast. Given the fact that I think I've ha- I've been doing this podcast for about nine years, and mm-hmm. not only did you and I meet for the very first time about maybe eight to ten weeks prior, before I even started the podcast at all, uh, I think you've come on the show at least once, uh, if not every year, uh, it's been damn near close to that, so uh, yeah, like you're you're about as entrenched in this thing as I am, my friend.
1: We're in deep, we're in it together, but no, yeah, for sure, I remember that first one we did, and I know I was one of the first that you you interviewed, but uh, hey, it's not an easy feat, but uh, you've been at it, so the content's good, and it's just been getting better over the years, so... Glad to
0: be on again. Episode eight hundred and ninety seven of the Big M X radio podcast. We are closing in on nine hundred shows. Um do we have something planned for show nine hundred? Absolutely not. I would love for it to be Ricky Carmichael, but it probably won't. Um but Blake like do you recall when I met you for the very first time? I was walking very gingerly. This was back when uh, the Geico Honda team had their private fact, private practice facility at Milestone. Um, yeah. I was dealing with a, at that time, completely unbeknownst to me, broken back, but uh, walking around and collecting some autographs. One of them happened to be yours. Yes, yeah, that was a a nice
1: spot lot of action back there during that time with the uh, most uh, well not most but several of the practice tracks being there yeah i got to meet a lot of good people and um i didn't realize that you had a broken back in retrospect that's pretty interesting but uh not the way you want to find out but um <clears throat> yeah you gingerly is a good way of putting it yeah <laughs>
0: Well, I'll t- I'll tell you how I broke it, and I don't know how much time you spent riding in Southern California at the time, but do you remember the old Comp Edge track, where they yeah. had sort of like a uphill, sort of a step up over the, it was right near the, sort of a grandstand slash announcing tower? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, it was the second lap of free practice. I had never been there before. Uh, but that jump was so, just so, so welcoming and had a huge landing on it. Uh, you could sort of just like, you could just jump like maybe 10, 20 feet. You could jump about 50, 60 feet to like sort of the top, or you could jump up over top of the whole damn thing. And it was a pretty spectacular jump. Well, um, I had very easily just jumped right to the top of it on the first lap. So I thought that uh, just a little bit extra throttle, and and we'll grease this thing no problem. Feeling very confident. Hadn't ridden in in a couple of months. Obviously, being from Southern or uh, Central Canada, riding down Southern California in the middle of January uh, was just a just a treat for me. But um, a little bit too much throttle, and I was looking directly up at the sky. Uh, let go of the motorcycle at the last possible moment, and I literally caught basically like my tailbone right at the mm. knuckle of the of the landing like right before it starts to go down is where my butt came in direct contact with dirt there and i'm actually glad it was as soft as it was otherwise i'd probably be talking to you from the seat of a wheelchair
1: well there's not much soft about that track but yeah if it was earlier in the day you were better off but that is a big one and uh yeah it sounds like he got a little uh, little carried away but uh it got froggy cuz it was wintertime in canada and you weren't you just uh you're too excited,
0: I think. I was. You're. You're totally right. I was overexcited. Uh, I'm guilty of that sometimes. Uh, I gotta check myself. In, in baseball,
1: but... you would have been awesome. I think it would have been a great, a great play. Probably, you know, a uh, a point for the for the home team. But in motocross, you can't really afford to land, you know, on that part of your body.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. Um, you yourself at that point were, I believe, this was your. This had to have been your second stint with. Uh, with factory connection, Honda, um, like you must have had a good relationship with Ziggy, going back there as many times as you did. Um, like, was there always sort of like kind of an, a door open for you whenever you sort of needed it at the time? Um, like, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, essentially, when we left Geico originally, we we knew that there was a chance um, that we would we would go back one day. And we left on good terms with, of course, Ziggy and Jeff Myshack and. And so and we were out in California, and actually, Bogle was was the one who got injured for that for that um, season with them. And so then the, a spot opened up. But I've always tried to keep in touch with those guys, and I still keep in touch with Ziggy, even since the team is you know closed down. And I will see Jeff every now and then, and I I try to keep in touch with, with some of the other guys as well, like Kibby. I still speak with, uh, even though he's no longer in the industry, you know, full time. But um, some, some good guys there and, and some good relationships formed, even though it was, it was you know, mostly business. There was, there was some, uh, some of the relationships that, that went well on past um, the racing. So um, it was good to be back with them for a second time. You know, the bike had changed a good bit. That's one thing I will say. From, from 12, 11, 12 to, to 14, the bike was much better. Um, then we were at a different practice tracks. So there it was a lot of good there. Uh, unfortunately, my season with them it, at that point, it
0: early when i when I did my meniscus uh, but um other than that it was a good time absolutely well you you're a, a top flight superstar and even won some Supercross races in your time uh unfortunately, that time has passed we you've, you've uh, come back in a bunch of different iterations once with uh teams were you with team solitaire at one point
1: no no i i wasn't I think it you was, were in conversation with them yeah well i've talked to yeah some of those guys over the years as i was Chris. looking to see you know about coming back and and um you know unfortunately the, the yeah there's some of those teams that come and gone um, since, and some of the gear companies even but um yeah i was with ib corp um racing and right. uh, that was essentially where where i came back um for real even though it was kind of mid-season but um yeah
0: Awesome. Well, um, I, the reason why we called you up is because you've been doing some really neat stuff with some vintage racing, these XR200s that, um, honestly, it it, it, it kind of hurts my heart to see that you guys legitimately go faster than uh, I can on my, uh, my high-strung uh, KTM 250SX, but, um, like, First of all, tell me about coming across these builds. Uh, they seem inexpensive to build. They seem fun to ride, and uh, and for those reasons, you end up getting some some pretty cool characters come out and ride them. One of which being uh, the great Kevin Wyndham.
1: Yeah, no, I've never really been involved with with vintage racing before. Uh,
0: my dad was was a was a
1: racer back in the day, of course. So I'm second generation. So I've, I grew up hearing about the bikes and and seeing them, um, but I never really experienced them much coming up, you know, full bore amateur racing. Um, But I got a chance to, a friend of mine invited me to Diamond Dawn's event, which is a big race here in Texas. And I'd heard about it for a long time, but I've never gone. And he was building his own XR 200. And that's where this race, um, Diamond Dawn's, was putting on an XR, sort of like an exhibition class for them. And uh, so that's where I was introduced to the concept. This has been around for a while. I think they've been doing this you know the xrs have been around since the 80s and maybe the late 70s i'm not sure exactly but they've changed a little over the years but guys have done it in california they've done it in texas some um, and some other parts uh, of the world but i got to race there with kevin and, and john short <clears throat> and uh, so some of the supercross guys from back in the day and then Vernon mckinney was there and we had a uh, brandon glenn travis parker ricky parker so actually um a lot of good guys that were kind of local to the area and yeah because there's they're slower bikes and they're they're there's a little bit less on the line in, in that regard we you you find some close racing and everybody knows that we've we've heard about that for a while it's not really the speed of the bike that makes for good racing in fact you take away some of the speed and the racing tightens up and so that's what it was so we had a good time kevin had an absolute uh, blast which is you know seeing kevin over the years racing with geico you know it's a job and so uh it was a bit burnt out at times you could tell and we all have been there but so was good to get back to that that's essentially what it is it's it's just you know doing moto for some of the reasons that i think most of us got into it not all of us um and of course the vintage guys know how to have a good time and we have a really good community here in, in in texas uh with the arma guys so yeah and so one thing led to another and i i we got the idea, hey, let's do this somewhere, you know, why not Daytona, it's the big show, and so we reached out to um, Baby Coombs and Tim Cotter, and they thought it was a good idea. So, we are going to be doing a King of Daytona, Joes versus Pros, or Pros versus Joes, if you will, class, uh, March 7th, and uh, that's the Tuesday with the the Vintage Racing and then the, the Professional Quad guys. So, we're pretty excited about that
0: that's really really cool so like expand on that if, if you can a little bit more you guys are going to head into Daytona you're going to have sure. uh, a a, bun- a bunch of really neat looking bikes that have been built like I think the, the coolest thing about them is they're all very simplistically built but they can all have a very different look and style to them uh, very eye catching and uh, like you said um, like taking some horsepower and, uh, and some technology out of things can narrow things up, uh, to, to the nth degree. And, uh, yeah, I could totally see some, some amateur kids sticking around, throw a leg over this thing and, and bang bars on a Tuesday. That's going to pretty, that's going to be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's good practice. It gives the, uh, it would give some of the amateur guys a chance to ride with maybe some of the older guys or some of the, the former supercross racers. So make for an interesting story. I always like the stories. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of cool bikes out there. A lot of guys have already built their XRs over over the years and, you know, come out to race. I think we had like 22 people at Diamond Dawn's event. Uh, And then there was, I know, at least 10 guys that were going to be building um, immediately thereafter. We did the story in Racer X and we did a video as well. So um, we're hoping that a lot of those guys and the bulk of those guys will come out. Some of the the new people exploring with the XRs as well um aesthetically yeah you have the the traditional xr look which i really like um and we're going to kind of lean towards that we're building two bikes right now i'll have one for me and one for another pro that we invite that we get to come out and then i'm hoping there's a whole slew of bikes that that folks you know show up with that we can get some of the some of the local florida guys on maybe some guys from georgia who are already there or maybe some amateur guys um i'd like to watch the supercross on saturday check out you know, amateur racing, Monday, Tuesday, I was never at that event. That event came in, you know, once I was already pro. So, and then, you know, explore and, and see what uh, Daytona Bike Week is like. That's that's a little bit uh, of the race of that particular event that I've never seen before. So, we're looking forward to it. We'll have a good time.
0: Where can people find more information on that event specifically? Um, not only the, the, the vintage stuff that you're going to have going on, but also that quad stuff on the Tuesday.
1: Yeah, it, quad racing is, is alive and well thanks to, thanks to Dave and the guys over there. That's kind of funny to bring that up because I never knew that there was a quad race at Loretta's. I think it's before or after um, all those years, and I never saw it, but I would like to check it out. So we'll check that out on Tuesday. Um, but as far as information goes, I know that um, the guys at Ricky Carmichael SX, uh, the, the site, they have a press release that we dropped on that site with their socials um of course my socials um as well. If you have any questions, feel free to hit me up and my partner Jordan Lake who's helping me um coordinate with some of the stuff and and so yeah it's 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 easy going, it's it's low pressure. So if you have any interest building a bike I can point you in the right direction with, with Kenny Kenny Vaughn or Mickey Dunlap, some of the guys that have helped me with, with our builds.
0: There you go, my friend. Well, uh, hopefully, the Big M X Radio faithful uh, care to interest on that, and they, uh, yeah, they, they do a little bit extra digging, maybe build a bike of their own, uh, or maybe uh, just uh, line the fences and scream for blood when uh, when guys are banging bars. Um, you yourself, uh, how how much have you been riding lately? Uh, you must keep uh, pretty close tabs on a guy like John Short. Who I know you're pretty close with in Supercross so far. He's had uh, a little bit of up and down start to a very short season. We're, we're three weeks in, but only two rounds in. Even though last weekend was round three. Um, yeah. Uh, first of all, how much have you been riding, and how much have you been paying attention to uh, the pro stuff, Supercross?
1: Yeah, not a lot of riding for me right now. It's just selective, you know, projects and and uh, you know a little bit here and there. And the, the last event we did, or the last project we did was for the MX versus ATV uh, video game. And that'll be coming out soon, but I mean, I enjoy it. It's awesome. But you know, having the nine to five, you have a little bit less time. So, I mean, everyone knows that, but I don't have to explain that one, but watching the events. Yeah. I look forward to supercross every year, motocross. I, I love watching the stuff and I have kept in touch with John and giving him some pointers here and there. I'm not training him full time. Like I did a couple years ago when he was with the bar X guys, but you know, he had a, a pretty significant uh, wrist injury a while back. He had to get that that worked on, so he's still on the mend as far as that goes, and his speed is going to be just continuously improving. But he actually had some some good qualification, and, you know, for round one and round two in the 450 class, that's no easy feat. So um, if he can qualify that early in the season, I think as he builds, and hopefully he can stay off the ground, that, he'll have a bit more action but man just getting in that top 15 is 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 pretty brutal so but definitely keeping an eye out for john and, and speak to him regularly
0: fair enough um my next question for you is something that sort of just came to mind is that you guys growing up like you started racing at extremely young age uh, i i remember pictures of yourself in in uh um, moto playground the pickle this route and the other thing um you're pretty high profile your entire amateur career and um it honestly like uh, from the for the time that i've spent covering the sport it really has come to my attention that uh regardless if you guys are at a at the factory level the privateer level what have you um you pretty much don't get out of the amateur ranks without like unscathed, without some sort of nagging injury that you essentially carry with you the majority of your pro career. And I would even venture to say that like, I'd say maybe even less than 5% of the guys on the line aren't nursing something at some point. Or I've even spoken with a guy like Dean Wilson, who like he's dealt with shoulder stuff. He's dealt with knee stuff. And I'm like, I asked him, like, are you at all close to what you probably could have been if you hadn't gotten injured here? Or here, like, we're almost dealing with like a, a like ninety or eighty percent of what an athlete could have been if not for some injuries and stuff like that. Like, it seems like at all times, throughout any career in motocross, uh, all athletes are are dealing with some sort of like recovery from a surgery or like dealing with a a ligament that needs to be fixed, but they don't have time to fix it, or something along those lines. Uh, Maybe speak to that a little bit, because I I think that's uh, probably a lot more prevalent than most people realize.
1: Yeah, no, there's definitely some exceptions. What you're saying is definitely true, but there's some exceptions. I would say like a McGrath, a Dungey, you know, and so, yeah, the smoother guys and the guys that tend to crash less can get away with, um, a bit more, and I think that they can have a season or a, you know, at least several rounds where they're, where they're not um, nursing something. But yeah, it's, it, it can get uh, pretty common, pretty regular, and it depends on the, on the type of injury. But those ligaments and those, that cartilage doesn't heal quite the same. Um, so you tend to see the, the, the issue has to eventually get fixed. Um, that's just how it goes. Um, and so with Wilson with his knees being a taller guy and and I know Muskin has done his ACL before several times um, Cincerello carried an injury into racing pro I'm almost I'm almost certain of with his shoulder issues just um, and you could see where that finally came to a halt and kind of at an unfortunate time in his in his professional um, lights career where he was winning that championship but yeah and um, guys like Carmichael and, and, and Stewart I would say probably you know was there was always something and those guys were pretty tough so they would ride through it I know Villo he didn't have something in his knee for a long time and was actually able to get by without it which is not totally, yeah, totally no ACL until anyway. his li- his no. first
0: year on the 450
1: yeah and so that that's that's pretty rare I mean I know guys can I think it depends on the physiology and the, and the and the and when it happens, but that didn't slow him down any. I mean, the guy couldn't have gone any faster with an ACL. So I mean, that one, you know. But I think, yeah, certain guys are perpetually dinged up, and especially if you get dinged up early in a season, you don't really have much time um, to get through it. And so the best thing is to stay off the ground. You have got to find that razor's edge, and, and you, you just you don't get any better crashing. So. So there's, there's
0: that. That's just the facts. That's fair enough, man. It's, it's pretty wild stuff. So uh, how, how closely have you been paying attention to the two-race series that we've had so far? We're heading into Anaheim 2. Um, it's It's been – honestly, you've had sa- same winners at both races so far, but a lot of other carnage yeah. and uh, mishaps happening around it. You have uh, Malcolm Stewart who – uh he's fastest qualifier one weekend and uh and and winning heat races and then the other weekend he's uh like uh, during the main events he's on the ground even though he's he's been up front uh here and there as well that's got to be frustrating as well as uh like i actually i think the first thing we need to talk about is a couple of your old teammates who got together uh in one of the heat races Jason Anderson Uh, just putting the wheels to Justin Barsha, a full-on takeout move. uh, And they also had some words afterwards, including a tweet where, uh, yeah, basically Jason Anderson uh, letting everybody know that uh, Justin Barsha, who is known to be physical out on the racetrack, is maybe maybe the most potent takeout artist that uh, the sport has ever seen, can dish it out, but he can't take it.
1: Well, you know the saying, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. So it's something that you, you have to accept, you know. And uh, he doesn't like that, but, you know, tempers flare when, when racing is happening. But I think Jason owed him um, several times over from last year, if I'm not mistaken. I know there was a lot of action happening. And, uh, but, you know, you've got to watch that a little bit because, you know, it's still early in the season. You don't want to get into a full-on you know fight fest with with Jason you know being a strong racer at the beginning of the season and having had such a good year last year um but it definitely yeah it definitely happens and i and i you know i prefer when when the athletes own it, but hey, I'm not out there, I'm just a spectator, I'm just watching it and uh checking it out so its it's entertaining for sure um I'm not a surprise ultimately there's 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 several guys that we always see kind of coming together. Uh, but they're going to have to figure something out and, and try to stay away from each other if they're going to have a shot with Tomac or where by the looks of
0: it. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, I totally agree. Um, next question I had for you is baseball stadium versus football stadium. We start the season off, go uh, baseball stadium at, at uh, Anaheim, and then uh, a football stadium at what we used to be. I guess it's a new stadium now. It's uh, Snapdragon. It's a football stadium. Um, I was actually looking up, looking up, the research today That a football stadium Is actually like the, the the footprint of a football field Is actually quite smaller Than a baseball field Of course A baseball field doesn't have The uh, um, Doesn't need to Accommodate Sidelines Reporters uh, Photographers right. And everything else on there um, I was, So
1: I What did you prefer? Of a, of a, yeah I was more of a football guy But it, it, it Kind of Had more to do with the closed stadium, I didn't like when the practices would get cut short because I always felt like I got better the more I rode. So okay. that was difficult for me when I raced on the west. Um, I just I just liked having the free practice and the two practices. It just made my my, my body and everything work better. And as far as layouts go, the, the layouts were a good bit different. You do have more variations, I would say. more You can have more of an interesting track, I think, with the baseball diamond. Um, but If you're good on the football track and and, and you kind of understand that that template, you can can do well. So I was more of a football man myself, but I know a lot of the West Coast racing is is more diamond. So um, I'd say you'd have to look at the stats to see who prefers what. I think I I I was definitely a football guy.
0: Fair enough. But I'll tell you. I'll be trying to do a little bit of theater of the mind here for those listening at home. Is my least favorite layout is a start right up the middle with a a, a left hand turn into a first rhythm lane that has a 180. That has basically the 180 goes into a uh, basically the full length of the stadium that ends with a right hand 90 degree turn into a triple into a 90 degree. That uh, like, like right off of the triple goes 90 and then the full length of the stadium and then you double back through usually either whoops or a rhythm section and then there's a 180 that goes back onto the start straight into the first corner or the last corner up over the finish line and then you rejoin that layout is done time and time again. First of all, I think the triple at the end of the 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 stadium never turns into actual, like, it's usually a melee on the first lap because you have guys who jump it, guys who don't jump it. Um, But for the rest of the night, it's not a place to pass. You can't pass someone going into that corner. You can't pass someone coming out of that corner. So that's, like, I think two out of the seven corners of the track that you can't pass anybody. And, um, like, those long rhythm lanes unless you really have like a jump combination that's superior to somebody else. I find that with those types of layouts, there's a lot of follow the leader. What about you?
1: Well, you're getting into the analytics of it all, but that's, that's uh, pretty impressive. You have the exact blueprint and, and, and layout of a track you do not like. And so we need to maybe do something with that on social, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you, see a good, you do see a good bit of uh, maybe we take a poll as to who, who likes what uh, you do see a good bit of, the same stuff. I mean, after all, it's it's not like they're inventing new obstacles like every year. Um, So you can have these sort of these, these sort of replica tracks of,
0: of a track that you've already raced.
1: It is kind of uh, interesting how two tracks in a football stadium can feel same stadium can feel, one can feel small, one can feel big. And, you know, that's just more how the track is laid and how much room that they used. Uh, But as far as, you know, where i'm at now and you know being retired and all that i i prefer the tracks where it's a little bit safer off the start and there's not a triple Um uh, we've seen that go bad pretty pretty well not often but it's happened and uh yeah just good racing hey i don't i don't necessarily care who wins and I, i'd like to see some guys do well but good racing keep the guys off the ground and and it's it's better for the fans and spectators Absolutely. but i am i will say that speaking of tracks I am looking forward to the last three races um, of the season with the super uh, motocross, um, just because there's the one throwback, which goes way up into the stadium. I want to say it's old school Anaheim style. Um, And then there's the, I want to say, car car tracks, which gives it a a different feel. So looking forward to those for sure, because that's going to be a new sort of thing.
0: I'm really interested to see how those play out because you, as well as I know, um, at that point point in the year, uh, a lot of guys are like they're taking time to go get things cleaned up. They're, they're taking time to go uh, to get some like get some season-ending surgery. They're switching teams. Like now, the with the the moving of a couple of those of a couple of the rounds due to the Pac-12. Uh, football schedule uh, that extends some some things. I I think there's some guys who contractually I don't know if they'll be able to race the rounds for the or they'll have to do some sort of like contract gymnastics to sure. to accommodate those types of things because typically uh, there's a lot of uh, contracts to sort of start and end August first. Um, well, maybe you can maybe October you can 1st. do
1: one moto on your old bike and then the next moto is on your new bike. Okay, I mean, it's just an idea. I'm just throwing it out there, that whoever wins with that combination, that will be well, I think the first time ever. So, but yes, it's going to definitely take some some movement and it's not like the season necessarily needed to be any longer. It's already they barely have enough time to get things fixed as it is. So, I mean, I'm excited because there's there's new tracks and kind of a different combination, you know, with the with the comp- combining of the two series. But um and I wasn't totally aware of the new dates um but it is we're gonna have definitely a handful of guys that won't race it and some guys that just can't but uh and i'm not sure how the points are gonna fall with that if it's if it's hugely vital to the championships or if it's own if it's its own championship but i know it'll be good just for the just to change it up and be just kind of like a totally different thing that it
0: seems. from my understanding uh it'll be um a carry forward from all 30 or 27 rounds that'll lead up to that and then uh sort of like the 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 races themselves throughout those weekends are like weighted differently like the last race is essentially like even if you're 75 points back you can still make up some crazy amounts of time which i don't know that sounds a little bit gimmicky to me but
1: are you saying that if that if I start training now and I race the last three yes. rounds, I could still maybe top five in the championship.
0: Essentially, uh, the only qualifying <laughs> factor is that you have to be top top eighteen in uh, in either Supercross or Motocross in the two fifties or four fifties. Which I think you could probably be top eighteen in two fifty outdoors sure. if uh, if you absolutely had to uh, in order to qualify for those last three rounds. But yes, um, yeah, I think I think sounds like we're going to deal with a full, full comeback here.
1: Well, we'll, 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 hold, hold it on, slow down the full comeback, but it, it's good to know that that's an option. No, it's going to be good. Um, with, uh, we, there's more racing now than there's been when I was coming up and when I was pro there's, there seems like there's obviously the, the world supercross series, which is, wasn't around. And there's just more chances and opportunities for guys to make money, which is, which is ultimately good and, and what, they're, what, what the sport was needing with the arena cross. Um, the two arena cross series is seemingly going well. And um, now with the super motocross, it's just good. It's, it's a chance for, I guess, them, for them to spread a little bit of the love around and get maybe some guys some, some, some rides and some opportunities that otherwise wouldn't have been there, you know, had you been racing 10 years ago. So I think it's a positive.
0: I'm actually surprised that you never ended up racing arena cross at any one particular point like it seems uh, it was a kind of like a it, for a lot of years there it was sort of like a, a step in to the to supercross class as well as some guys who were on their way out uh was there ever a, a, like a uh a Babbitt's Kawasaki yeah, I, I, that I, uh came
1: calling I talked to the Babbitt's guys before and it was a little after you know but I uh, and I actually did race um well what would have been kicker arena cross and then i raced one that was nitro then the names have changed but okay um and i enjoyed it um i was it was kind of preseason, early season so i wasn't you know in my full swing but the racing was good and mostly the tracks were good and uh the series though yeah it was it was really big when i was coming up with guys like demuth and antinez and and uh, Stevenson and Bogard. And then it kind of had a, and then it really had a good stamp for a while. But, and then it kind of changed. And then I know the season, the series stopped or it sold. And then they had the road to supercross, which I was already pro at that time. So yeah, the timing was just probably not right. Um, but I think if, if all goes well and they keep growing it, they could have, you know, um, catch some of the guys on the way up catch some of the guys on the way down and maybe for the right opportunity, some guys who are in the middle of it. So, but yeah. uh, I would have liked to have explored that. Yeah. I would have liked to have experimented a little bit with that. I keep in touch with some of those guys uh, that are running the series now. So,
0: Right on. Well, yeah, I'm surprised. And actually, just to spin the clocks back just a, a hair on the podcast, speaking about those uh, date changes, uh, I had some people put some pushback on Twitter about when I had posted about those date changes. About uh, obviously foot, uh, amateur, like college football, essentially being an amateur sport, uh, giving way or or, or uh, having to like Supercross having to give way for uh, college football. Um, I just want to throw this out there for those who might be listening and curious as to why Supercross would have to move. Is that uh, the Pac-12 conference in uh, U Sports in the NCAA uh, does an annual gross income or gross revenue of three hundred ninety-four million dollars, which is um, which is and they only have a, a annual um. Uh, expenses of about 90 or uh, 50 59 million dollars so um their annual uh revenue is greater than the asking price for Supercross so um yeah they're 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 a much bigger fish than uh, when we are at this at this present time so that would be the reason why uh Supercross had to to bend to those uh those demands but uh I don't think it's that big of a deal um yeah like Arena Cross like have you have you watched a few of these races? Do you plan on going to any oh, yeah, of these yeah, races? Yeah. No, the I plan? watched
1: the Prescott round when the Supercross was canceled. Round two was canceled. Yes, and I and I rather enjoyed it. And I know some of those guys. And and so hey, any racing is better than than no racing. And I think I'm going to watch the, uh, the the AX that just happened um, this weekend. Uh, this last weekend in Oklahoma, and I know they're going to Texas this weekend. So those are definitely. You know some some races. If the floor plan is right, I think the racing can be can be really good. But um, I uh, I haven't been to one in a while. Not since I not since I raced it. But I uh, I like it. Yeah, I like racing.
0: Fair enough. What are your thoughts on World Supercross? Like in in a year in in a climate where it might have been a little bit better timing i th- i can't help but think that uh this might have been right up uh of, of your alley a guy who likes to do some globe trotting and racing dirt bikes all the same like uh if, yeah, no, say if, I, yeah this would have been right up your alley man
1: no you no know, i like it i i like the the fact that they came in and challenged the 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 current you know system or the status quo wherever you want it a little bit of competition within the market doesn't hurt. So it can raise the standard and it can at least be, you know, um, more, more growth I think happens that way rather than, you know, one, one, one series maybe owning the whole thing. Um, and I did watch the first round this year. I didn't get to watch the second one fully. Uh, but a different a totally different floor plan, speaking of floor plans with the race in the u k which was a massive floor plan, almost too big in some ways because the the, the people were like so far away it kind of seemed to lose a little bit of synergy but um ultimately, yeah, good. I would have definitely probably partook in that um had it been around just you know three or four years prior, and it's a great way for some of the guys that are maybe coming back or some of the guys that are maybe on the way out um some guys from europe who maybe don't have the the same type of chance or shot with american uh, supercross and it's just more spots so ultimately you can't complain i'm i'm hoping that they have another good uh run with it I, what is it six rounds for them this year and i've spoken to yes. some of those guys before yep. and i think there's a there's a cool opportunity and chances with just a different um some different content because it is in a place that's you know, well vastly different than what we're used to um, hard to beat the American supercross right now in terms of competition though so um, they're definitely they're definitely I'd say on the right track and uh, I'll be tuning in for whatever that's worth
0: fair enough fair enough so uh, who you got for uh, this like did you end up racing a triple crown
1: oh uh, I yeah, I did race the triple crown. Um, wasn't a huge fan of it at that time. I think the one I raced, maybe I might have raced more. A2 and
0: a- 18, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, no, actually I actually missed A2 because I didn't start the series till later, but it would have been in 19. It was one of the East Rounds, but um, I think it's good for watching. Um, you, you tend to see certain guys who maybe aren't as confident with their their 20-minute cardiovascular um, they can do pretty good, and so you've seen some of those guys jump up there and win a race or or get a podium where you maybe otherwise wouldn't have seen it. And so, hey, it's more variation. It's it's just going to give these guys a, a shot, you know, that are not used to maybe going the distance. So I like it. I'm about it. I'm all about it. And this weekend, yeah, is a, a triple crown. So looking forward to it. The season's been good. Um, I'm assuming that would have been one of your next questions, but um, – You know, Jed is obviously the favorite in the lights. RJ RJ excuse me has been doing doing well and he's been he's been right there. He's had some speed. So there's no there's no question about that. I definitely think he'll he'll if he can get a start, maybe run up there for a while, we'll see some we'll see some closer racing. And then in the four fifty class, yeah, Webb is back and he seems to be to be feeling it and it's good to see, you know. We can spot it, guys who've been in it for a long time when, when a racer's burnt out or, you know, what it, whatever it is that they're dealing with. And so last year you can see it. I maybe there's some other times throughout his career you can kind of see it. you see it with everybody eventually. But he definitely seems to be back, and, and taking that time off was good. That wasn't necessarily a thing that was practiced. You know, uh, the only time you got to take off coming up as an amateur racing in the pros was, was when you got injured. And some guys got injured a lot, and so they had a lot of time off, and they always came back hungry. And some guys never got injured, and so they never got time off. And it seemed to do him some good. And I don't know why exactly he took that time off. It was injury or what. But but there's no doubt that Tomac that has the, the momentum. It's hard to stop a, a, a ball when it starts rolling, and he's had it for, you know, for, well, a long time, probably since his last year on Cali. Um, and that's hard to beat. And his bike looks good. He, uh, you know, Webb's going to definitely have to have something go his way. got yeah, maybe a little bit of luck, or maybe something that just creates an opening. And uh, going east, he's he's definitely probably more suited for just because the loops will be jumping through most likely, and the tracks get brutal. And they're not to say that they're not brutal now, but they get really, really brutal. And I think he shines there where it's where you have to pick and choose a little bit more. And so, again, I'm just looking for the some good action at this point. But that's my take on it so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, uh, this weekend, um, mission number one for Eli Tomac is to nip anything that Cooper Webb has going on in the butt right now. The first time Cooper Webb won a Monster Energy Supercross, happened to be an Anaheim 2 uh, 2019 at uh, at a triple crown. I, I think that uh, if you can stop that momentum where it's at right now, uh, that'll sort of mitigate some things. But honestly, it's uh, it's Eli Tomac's world, and we're just living in it right now. Uh, when it comes to Monster Energy Supercross, the guy looks as good as, as ever.
1: Well, you ain't wrong about that. No, he's he's definitely got it going. And sometimes it's it's hard to put a to pinpoint it exactly. But sometimes it seems like certain years guys can do no wrong you know jason when he won his championship and Webb when he won at least one of those or maybe it was two of them that just just everything works uh, you know he's one of the fastest guys if not the fast guy the whole time some of the more unfortunate stuff seems to be happening around and, and doesn't necessarily afflict you as much and that's where tomac's at he just so happened to been, have been there for a long long time longer than maybe you know usual that you see and so Hey, he's, uh, yeah. like you said, it's his show. And and it's still so early, I can't imagine, even though he's got all the momentum going, that he's going to do anything too crazy at this point. Yes, he's going to want to keep Cooper and whoever else there is still in the the hunt, um, you know, sort of in check, if you will. But it's so early, you know, in these championships. uh, They tend to settle in where we haven't really settled in yet, where you see, okay, these are the two guys, or these are the three guys, but it's usually just... Two guys. And I think two or three rounds from now we'll be in that spot and we'll see. Okay, this is where it's going.
0: Yeah, you very well could be correct, my friend. Blake Wharton here on the Big M X Radio Podcast. Blake, last question I have for you, I'm gonna put you on the spot, my friend. Um, if you were in opening ceremonies this weekend at Anaheim one, what is a song that you would come out to that the Big Mx radio faithful probably hasn't heard before?
1: Well, you've heard all the songs that I probably listen to, so that's that's that is a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, but that's a but that's a great question. Man, you're throwing me for the loop here, right? Yeah, I felt like I was doing so good on this whole thing, and now you now you've stumped me. Um, but hey, I could play one of my own songs. That's maybe a little cliche, but you probably haven't heard it.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that 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 also that's that's. Uh, a good answer plus a little bit of a dig at yourself the fact that a lot of people haven't heard your music um it's actually unfortunately we, we never at, at any point got to see Blake Wharton standing on the the takeoff of a triple like legs over your motorcycle guitar in hand most likely like a slash style um hat on, just, like, belting out either uh, the National Anthem. Can you do the National? You can obviously do the, the American National Anthem, could you not?
1: Well, I could sing it, but I don't do much of that sort of guitar playing with, with the leads and the, the pick playing, but, no, it would have been fun, and there's some guys out there that do, that do music that are currently still racing, and so um, that's definitely one of the things you think of when you're, you know, coming up and you see the opening ceremonies, which is a, a pretty special time, so it, yeah, it could have been, but it's all good. We're, we're staying busy. We're, we're keeping at it with some projects. So maybe in another way.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thanks for keeping us updated. Uh, we'll definitely have you on in the near future to uh, wax intellectually about this great sport of motocross. Um, really appreciate you making some time for us today.
1: No, thank you. It was a good time, and we'll talk soon. Thanks,
0: Brad. All right, all right man. Well, do not hang up just yet. For podcast's sake, let's cut it off right there.